Oblivion is a post-apocalyptic blockbuster starring Tom Cruise that takes inspiration from a variety of different science fiction stories. It's filled with robots, rebels, slick technology, and desolate vistas peppered with reminders of the old world. Today we'll discuss what elements of Oblivion work, and if the film manages to find its own identity. Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment. I am Peter, and I'm joined, as always, by Tara. Greetings, citizens. Nailed it. Finally, it took four takes to finally do the intro of this episode. This is a science fiction movie podcast. We talk about a sci-fi movie every week. And coming up on this week's show it is the most recent vote winner every month of patreon.com slash TV. Our $5 and up patrons get to vote between four movies. Um, I think this was another alphabet vote. It was like the next four letters, so... I don't know what we started on, but obviously the letter O was one of them. <laughs> and that is what has led to Oblivion! Uh, not the Elder Scrolls game, but Oblivion <laughs> starring Tom Cruise and uh, Morgan Freeman and Olga Kurlenk, the attractive one. Okay, so... And the woman from Possessor. From... Oh, you're the right. Woman is the woman in Possessor, which we reviewed on the channel. You're right. Also, isn't she also Mandy from the Nicolas Cage film, Mandy? I haven't seen that film. She's in Crocodile, the the short from Black Mirror, and those are the only other things I know her in, so I'm out. I'm out of stuff. Oh, yeah, that wasn't a good episode of Black Mirror, but yeah, like, yeah she, you're right. She was in that episode. I like that one. Uh, it, was, it, was just, it was just like a, a poor imitation of Shut Up and Dance from the previous season, I thought, but... Uh, we're not here to talk about Black Mirror. <laughs> we're here to talk about Oblivion. Um, I'm just I'm checking something. Yeah, she is Mandy. That was right. Okay, good. I'd be rest easy now. <laughs> so, uh, yes, we're here to talk about Oblivion. We will start spoiler-free. We'll give you a warning before we go into spoilers, as we always do. Uh, Oblivion is set in the 2070s. It's in the future. And it's after a war has taken place that has decimated the planet, it's destroyed the moon. The moon's kind of like sort of half there, but it's all in rubble. Um, I'm not so sure of the space physics and if like all the debris that is if is if is if something just shot through it. I don't know if that would stay that way permanently. I'm not convinced, but I'll. Uh... Yeah, I mean, I think so. I, I think it can. It'll probably just form a ring in the future. Okay. Okay. After, like, I don't know, a million years or something, <laughs> Earth will just have a ring instead of a moon. I just, uh... Oh, a ring around the Earth, you mean? Yeah, okay. Because uh, I, I, I... You know, I was under the impression that once something was moving in space, nothing would stop it. So I, I figured that if something is shot through it, then all the part, all the smaller bits would all just go wee and never stop. Uh, yeah, if it's enough to break the orbit, I suppose. Yeah. Oh, true, yeah, I suppose the Earth is still in orbit. Maybe that's what it is. Um... But, yeah, so, so the moon's decimated, uh, that, that wreaked havoc, and it was apparently aliens, uh, called the, um, oh, what did they call them again? Scree? No, it wasn't the Scree, it was the Scavs, because it was sort of Scavenger. Yeah, Scavenger. Oh, okay, Scavs. Yeah, so, yeah, these aliens called the Scavengers, uh, came down afterwards and sort of picked up the remains of humanity, which obviously was decimated by tidal waves and earthquakes and everything else that would happen if the moon suddenly just wasn't there. Um, we're not referencing moonfall, okay? We're not, we're not doing it. 
I have put in a a ban on Moonfall referencing at this juncture. Moonfall's such a good movie. How can you say that with a straight face? Because I had a blast watching it. No, 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 no. That's how movies work. (laughs) Not all movies. (laughs) Moonfall did not work that way. Moonfall's great. Moonfall had a series of groans and eye rolls and the occasional... Heh. (laughs) That was my experience with Moonfall. So the moon's decimated, uh, the planet is now barren, and the population of Earth have moved to Titan, the, the moon on Saturn. Uh, well, uh, not on Saturn, you know what I mean. Orbit and Saturn. And we basically have Tom Cruise and uh, Andrea Riseborough, who plays Victoria. Uh, and Tom Cruise plays a character called Jack because he has to do that like once every three years. He has to play a character named Jack because then he's like just all his contracts. He's not been mm-hmm. called Jack in a while. He has to be Jack again. Um, so they're there in this fancy kind of like high up little station. And it's their job to maintain all the drones that are going around because part of the the process of all the, the rest of the population moving to Titan is that there's these big machines that are taking water out of the ocean and converting it to energy somehow. And Tom Cruise is basically just like the... He's, he's the mechanic who just runs around and fixes them and potentially deals with any problems that crop up. Because uh, there's still scavs on Earth that occasionally try and sabotage uh, their devices, so... That's the that's the setup of the movie, um, and it's just two days till retirement, or more specifically, two weeks. They're 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 shift sending in two weeks, where they're going to like leave Earth and go and join Titan, uh, and presumably be replaced by another pair, and that is the, the the setup. There's actually a lot more to it that is revealed as the the movie goes on, but that is the the basic setup of Oblivion. I th- I think I got that more or less right, uh, so. I will ask the question. Tara, what did you think of Oblivion? Well, I, I think it's a pretty cool movie. I think it's pretty fun. Um, I, I didn't get to see this one in theaters. I missed it and ended up getting it on like a red box or rental or something. And I heard it wasn't good. And I think that's why I skipped it because the reviews weren't very good for it. Um, but I, I, don't, I don't know why people don't like the movie. I think it's actually quite quite smart and quite fun and pretty cool it's a cool movie i did see in theaters i I saw this in 2013 when it came out Mm -hmm. um i haven't seen it since until today when i watched it for the show uh and i I was relatively fond of it at the time um it it, it did did have critiques which i still have now and i'm going to you know get into those in a minute but um like I, I kind of enjoyed it for what it was. I definitely don't like it as much this time round. I, I think the the issues I had with it the first time were more problematic this time. Um, but uh, I will say I really like the music. M eighty three did the score, and I like their music quite a bit. Uh, so there's a lot of good synth and uh, really sort of atmospheric sort of tracks in the soundtrack. Um, that, that stuff's really good. Um, and there's a lot of good, like, visuals or aesthetics and things in this movie, that sort of thing. Um, where it kind of falls down a little bit is, to an extent, some of the characters that aren't Tom Cruise's character feel a little undercooked. 
And I would also say that this is very much a derivative film that is assembled of like 10 other movies all mashed together. There's a lot of movies, yeah, that I recognize. Yeah, there's a lot of them in this. And some of them, and I think what's really funny is that early on, um, and I won't say specifically until we get to spoilers, but early on I was getting really serious moon vibes from one element of the first like you know, 20 minutes or so of the movie. And what's so funny is that it then did something else from Moon, like, much, much later. That made, And it, as it was sort of starting to happen, I went, no, you can't be. You've already, like, taken from Moon. You can't be doing something else. And it really, like... Like, it makes sense in the context of what the setup and what, what they're revealing by that point in the movie. Like, I understand why they're doing it, but... Uh, but there's, there's, you know, there's a lot of stuff taken from 2001 in this. Uh, you know Hal's eye? You know Hal 9000's eye? You're going to see a lot of that in this movie. Uh, oh, yeah. That's just, that's pretty common, though. Yeah, I mean, but... It, red is an evil color <laughs> in, yeah, in technology. You've we got know the that. eye on drones, so you've got, like, a robotic eye. You've also got a very monolithic thing in the sky, right? It's not the mm -hmm. same shape as the monolith, but it's a very monolithic type thing. Um, you have elements of legity, or if you want to say yeah, 12 you monkeys. Yeah, know, I was going to say that. I was like, yeah. now that we've watched it, boy, there's a lot of legity yeah. in this film. A lot of it, actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that was really... Because I don't think I'd seen I, I that. I think more than, like, uh, 12 Monkeys, even. Yeah. I I don't think I'd seen Legity when I first saw this. So, this was, like... So, the first time I saw this, I was like, oh, there's a lot of 2001, there's a lot of Moon, a little bit of Independence Day, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And then uh, a bit of Wally -E even. Uh, and the general premise is very Wally -E in some ways. Um, bit of Moonfall. Well, that... <laughs> That didn't come out till later. I was I was just going with the things that came out before it, but yeah, sure. Um, but yeah, watching it this time, like I was like the, the very first scene, the very first thing you see, I'm like, wait, this is Legity. <laughs> They're doing Legity, um, which uh, stands for the peer or uh, means the peer in French, I believe, or something similar to that. Uh, so it's a short film. That uh, then the film Twelve Monkeys was based on. Just in case, because I'm not going to assume they've all seen our episode on Twelve Monkeys where we talked about it in depth, but. Uh, there's a lot of that. So we'll talk about all the things we're going to like compare to these other movies later. I actually, for a laugh, I saw, I googled because I was having these thoughts as I was watching the movie and I thought, oh, I wonder if there's other ones I'm missing. And I went, movies that Oblivion rips off. I put that into Google and sure enough, there was like a, like a list of 12. <laughs> and I don't necessarily agree with all of them. I thought some of them were a bit of a stretch, but it, like it, it was like funny to me that you, you could almost do a top 10 movies that you can recognize. <laughs> And oblivion <laughs> and and rank them that's that's kind of funny to me uh mm. but yeah um so and then the other, the other sort of critique i would have is that i think the first like half first third first half give or take i would say that it raised this really weird line where it's not playing into what's obviously going to happen enough where it feels like something like say i can't even say compared to some of the spoiling it um but it doesn't play it obvious enough that it feels like you're waiting for something to happen in a way that you're all in on it, right? But it also makes it fairly obvious that something's going to happen, that it's kind of frustrating just how long it takes to get to the point where someone or, or the characters realize something. And it's... It, it, it was very frustrating. It was frustrating on the first watch, but it was very frustrating on this the second watch for me. So, I'll t again, I kind of told all of that because there's, there's a lot of reveals and twists in this movie, I don't know actually. I you can hold that against the film, though, that... Is you're frustrated because you already know what's going to happen because you've seen it already. No, it was frustrating the first time as well. 
It's painfully <laughs> obvious in the first viewing as well. Okay. <laughs> like, that's the point I was trying to make, is it was worse the second time, but the first time it was still there. Like, it was still... <sighs> Again, I can't, I can't talk about it, because I can't spoil it. Because it's a yeah. reveal. It's a, it's, it's a, I won't say a twist, but... It, it's... I know that you, you've described this movie before as, like, the Apple space movie, because everything looks like Apple, but, boy, everything to me looks like Portal 2. I mean, I don't, I've never played Portal 1, so I don't know. But, like, everything in this movie, like, looks like Portal 2. <laughs> Do you know what's so funny is that I've got a phrase to describe a plot device in this movie, and it comes from Portal. Yeah. There's a, fr- <laughs> there's a phrase that I'm going to use when we get to spoilers to describe, like, the is first... Is the cake is a lie? <laughs> Why would you say it? Why, why would you say it? <laughs> because it's the obvious thing that comes from it. Why would you say? I just said I wasn't going to say it because it would spoil it. It doesn't spoil anything. Yes, it does. The, the cake is a lie. You, you do, you know There's no that. cake in this movie. <laughs> well, it's not literal cake. I was, I was, I was, you know, like, obviously it means that things aren't what they seem and that the, you know, the you're going home in two weeks. That's the cake. Yeah. <laughs> you're going to get to go and join the population in two weeks. That's the cake. Like, well, sure. I mean, is saying that Morgan Freeman's in the movie a spoiler? Well, no, because he's like his name's on the poster, but like it's not like you know how he's going to show up. <laughs> like you, just, you expect him to show up eventually. All right. Forgive well, do what you want. Forgive me for trying to be spoiler free, like proper spoiler free, and not reveal key plot twists. Yes, it is so unbelievably obvious that the cake is a lie from the very first second that even Tom Cruise and he's like I don't think they're, they're married technically they're just like partners who live together and seemingly have sex uh, like the, the first conversation they have with each other or with, with Sally on the computer is very clear that the cake is a lie <laughs> uh, which is the first thing that really made me think of Moon because and I think Moon does it way better Moon like you know, it doesn't overplay its hand. You know, it feels kind of natural the way Sam Rockwell is thinking he's going home soon. And he's kind of like on a video call to like Matt Berry. And it's kind of, you know, they're kind of edging him along a little bit. But it doesn't feel like super like in your face. Here, it does though. Like, like it's, it's very clear that, yeah, something's not quite right. But it doesn't go so far enough. Like, I think the, the thing I compare it to where the extreme end where you, you make it obvious that, that everything is a lie would be the Truman Show, where you know from the, the first second that this is all not real. Well, that's the setup. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's in the setup, but you, you play it differently with the way he interacts with that world and the characters because we're in on it. So the the, the, the fun of it is him spotting the signs that we understand. Uh, whereas this movie still kind of plays it like you're going through it, like, and like there's just there's going to be a twist when it eventually comes up that things aren't quite what they seem. Um, mm-hmm. I believe. Don't worry. There's still if there's still plenty in the movie that you know we've not, we've not mentioned. <laughs> like that's that's just the first domino that falls. Uh, there's so much to the backstory. There's so much about what's actually going on. There's so much of everything that uh, there's, there's, I mean, there's so much actually. That there's there's a lot of exposition. In fact, the first critique I'd have of this movie is that the. <laughs> So, sorry, Tara. <laughs> is, is there something you would like to interject at this moment in time? No, go on, go on. I was just going to say, like, the, the this movie is really Hollywood, 
and one of the really mm -hmm. Hollywood things about it is that they have to have Tom Cruise over-explain the setup at the start, when honestly it would be far more interesting to get it in the snippets of dialogue that come throughout the first... Maybe that would make the first third a lot more interesting if we're like gradually learning about you know what's here there's a moment where he says to someone oh like the rest of the the, you know, the population moved to titan and all i could think was if this is the first time i'd heard that that would have been quite an interesting like thing to just hear but no we get like two minutes of him at the start like like really excruciatingly explaining in detail what the backstory is yeah the opening feels like it's uh sort of an added note like um this movie's too mm. confusing please make sure you add in a, a voiceover at the beginning because we do kind of get all the information we need from the dialogue and from the situations that they're in so i don't know for sure but i have a feeling that there that was a producer note yeah but at least we get you know right away the explanation for why the world is according to our main character that we're following and we could see that you know he kind of skirts the rules. He he pushes things a little bit further than he should. And he has this like other secret life that he uh, is clinging to, that he still uh, misses the world in some way that it used to be. Well, not misses, because he was never alive for the world. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't born until after the world fell. I guess curiosity is more. He's, he's more the, like a, the best word. He's basically more of a history nerd, if anything. Mm -hmm. Uh but yeah, he collects like relics of the past and stuff. He has a little secret stash of things. Yeah, kind of like Wally. That he's not supposed to have. Yeah, yeah, Kelly, Wally. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he has this drive, like a like a bird does, to build a nest. Like he just has this drive to build his own little place on the planet and collect things. So, yeah, I, I, honestly, I would go as far as to say this movie doesn't have a single original bone in its entire body. Like, oh come on, that's so cruel. Just because there's inspiration it, it, from other films doesn't mean oh, it's not on. original. It's not. It's not just <laughs> inspiration. You sound like just a regular person on YouTube who wants to hate everything. <laughs> But even even yeah, I still kind of enjoyed the movie. I don't like it as much as the first time. But even when I enjoyed it in 2013, I would have still said that <laughs> this movie has I don't nothing know, man. original. You're being a bit it. harsh, I think. Oh come on! It is nothing but a concoction of other movies assembled there's together. There's lots of things in here that are original. All right, it's just that there's a lot of inspiration from other science fiction properties, and that's okay. I mean, does Quentin Tarantino now make anything original? <laughs> Everything comes from something uh, in his films. <laughs> like, I, I'm not. I'm not saying that it makes it bad. I'm saying that it, it's just. It's just a fact. This movie okay. is an amalgamation of several other movies. Like, mm -hmm. like if you have watched some sci-fi movies, if you've played some sci-fi video games, if you've read some sci-fi comics, you've probably encountered every idea that's in this movie before. Yeah, it's just taking I ideas and, like, inspiration and making something new out of it. And sure, maybe it reminds you of a lot of other things, but it doesn't make it not, like, a good story or not something that has something to say. Okay, to, to use the comparison you just made, though, right? Tarantino. Tarantino obviously has a lot of inspiration from a lot of things from the past right and admittedly he has the slight advantage that he pulls from a lot of obscure sources that most people won't recognize but let's mm -hmm. ignore that right i think the difference with tarantino when he's making his movies are like these you know love letters to the cinema that he loved and like was obsessed with his whole life is that he always makes it tarantino right when, mm -hmm. when you watch a tarantino movie he takes all these ingredients and then he turns it into a tarantino movie can you tell me watching this movie that it felt like it had an identity where you're like, that's a Joseph Kaczynski movie. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the bike thing reminded me of the Tron cycle, which he did make Tron 2, Tron Legacy. 
Okay. There's a little bit of Tron in this also. Um, yeah, oh, I, could, oh. I could definitely tell that it's the same director. And, you know, you haven't seen Maverick, Top Gun Maverick, which no, is one not. of the best movies of this year. But uh, there's a lot of that in here, too. Like, I could see that they're all the same director. Okay, okay. But, do you, I mean... <laughs> Come on here, like people people go to see a Tarantino movie because Tarantino directed it. Do, do you really? Tarantino s- has much a very strong voice. And yes, a lot of times he's narrating <laughs> his movies, even so. But yeah, it's. Uh, uh, I I still think that this movie has, you know, something to say. Um, you know, we could talk about it in the spoiler section, and it's got a really unique style and a cool soundtrack or cool score. Um. Yeah, I still think it has like its own fingerprint. I don't think it's a unique style. I, I like the music. I, I think the style still feels pretty. To, I mean, like I say, you know, I compare it to Apple, you compare it to Portal, but it, you know, like it, it feels like a again a mashup of a couple of different things. Anyway, let's talk about the uh, the, the cast and stuff and like the other, the other things we can talk about in spoiler free. So, uh, Tom Cruise plays Tom Cruise, uh, pretty much. Um, best of the best of the best. He, yeah, he's, you know, he's, I mean, he's the star, right? He anchors the movie. I think if you have anyone, like, not, well, not anyone else, I'm sure you can get another star that would fit just as well. I don't think the role specifically needs Tom Cruise, but I think you just need someone who's big enough and has enough big enough presence to anchor the role, which obviously he fits that bill, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you could throw in, I don't know, take your pick. <laughs> I, I do actually think that he is not essential for this film. No. And I'd say that as a Tom Cruise super fan. Uh, I mean, of his work. <laughs> yeah, not, not, his, not his personal uh, side. Not so much, but I do uh. love his films. Because <laughs> I know he gives it his all. But, you know, there are a couple of times where I'll watch a Tom Cruise film and I'm like, it didn't really need to be him. Like, it makes sense why, you know, why he is this character when you find out, like, other things. But still... I don't know. Like any any strong actor could have done this role. Yeah, if anything, it kind of it kind of maybe even adds to that Hollywood sheen feeling that it has that that I think detracts from it. Like I almost wish it was a bit grittier. And I think Tom Cruise inherently just makes you feel a bit like, oh, this movie is star. a yeah, yeah, it's a movie star. So it's, it's a safe. Feel. Like I think if you put someone just a, a slight more of an edge in the role, mm-hmm. it may be more interesting. I actually have a difficult time now with Morgan Freeman because of his, uh, you know, problematic <laughs> personal life also. Oh, sure. Yeah. <laughs> That's the other thing. Morgan Freeman, like, you know, maybe not in that sense, but like typically or traditionally Morgan Freeman's a very soothing presence in a movie, yeah. right? He's just got that voice. Um, so it, it kind of feels like this is like a, a vehicle for whoever's going to star in it. So you, it feels so it feels like a Hollywood movie as opposed mm-hmm. to I guess my preferred version of this type of movie, I suppose it is Moon. I guess what I'm saying is, is this the lower budget, like indie, like darling? I suppose is the version of this movie that I am more attracted to. Uh, obviously, I the think bi- I think I would have liked it more if it was Sam Rockwell instead of Tom Cruise, and maybe like <laughs> Forrest Whitaker instead of Morgan Freeman or something. Ah, that's a, that's a good yeah, because Forrest Whitaker has a bit more of an edge to him. You know, he's yeah. a bit he's a bit more off killer. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, because as soon as you hear Morgan Freeman's voice, like you have, 
just this. It's like, just red reading to you. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's like, okay, there's just something comforting now. So regardless of whether or not you want me to think he may be a bad guy, I'm not I'm not willing to, to buy it quite yet, movie. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, or just, you know, whoever. So, someone like Tom Hardy. Like, I could, like, Tom Hardy could probably, like, give, like, a, an edgy performance to this. Like, to get, get Venom out of your head. I know, I know you're, I can see it in your head. You're thinking Venom and you're thinking, no, that's terrible. But no, no, no. Th- think Tom Hardy and, like, uh, other things. Star Trek Nemesis? No, not that. <laughs> it's a ter- terrible one to pick. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, like, um... Obviously not playing the same type of character, but I'm thinking, like, the the level that he brought to Bronson. <laughs> but no, not, not that character, because that's, like, a, you know crazy character i haven't seen it but okay <laughs> i understand the role yeah um like like it's all hardy or or even uh his like sort of spiritual younger brother uh logan marshall green i think he could do a good intense you know he was in the invitation uh he was in was he in uh the logan logan no. i don't think so If he was, I don't remember what he was. Well, like the one guy who's like trying to find X twenty three or something, or he's in oh, charge no, of the Oh no, no, that's not him. No. no. Okay, I like that guy for the like three seconds he was on screen. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, I, I guess what I'm just saying is, uh, yeah, like Tom Cruise is like too safe Hollywood, so it it kind of like adds to the. It is a little bit like getting Scarlett Johansson to star in um, whatever that Ghost in the Machine movie <laughs> or something. Oh, Ghost in the Shell. Ghost in the Shell. Well, it's not as problematic because this isn't, you know. <laughs> no, but immediately you're like, oh, so this is just a Hollywood film. Yeah, okay. yeah. Um, and I think that kind of adds to like the overall feeling that I kind of get from it, which is that it, it does very much feel like a Hollywood produced, like, oh, well, you know, what's all these popular things from recent years? That's, you know, get a, get a committee in a room with a writer and come up with what, what it is and i go off and do it as opposed to like feeling like it's you know some some one person had like an idea and they wanted to like say something with that idea uh and don't get me wrong though i think almost to its benefit because it's like it feels that way for a while but then it keeps adding more things on which could be a problem but i think in this case i start to enjoy it more in the second half because i'm like okay they're, they're just throwing everything into this okay I'll, I'll just enjoy it for the the borderline schlock that it kind of is at this point because it's, you know, it's not a serious emotional movie, even though it's trying to, like, take from uh, Legitee, which obviously is a very emotional, like, heart-wrenching kind of, you know, romantic centre to that story. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this, you know, th- this film's attempts of g- g- giving us that feeling are lukewarm at best. I would say the, the part of the film I like the least is the love story. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Uh, and, and maybe it's just like I don't it's not that I think that oh she's too young for Tom Cruise because like whatever Tom Cruise can get it but like <laughs> I mean I she think, definitely is like I remember thinking this when I saw it in 2013 like she's like half his age I'm pretty it's sure like, yeah it's probably time it's probably time to so I like Jennifer Conley in, in Maverick I'm like oh finally age appropriate <laughs> for Tom Cruise yeah <laughs> Even though I'm pretty sure he's got like 10 years on her at least. But uh, in any case, like it's still, um, I, I, I don't know, like maybe if they had somebody who was closer in age to him that I would like buy it more, but uh, I don't know. 
Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just like in the, when I watched The Mummy also, it had the same feeling where it's like, maybe he's a little bit too old for this role. <laughs> but I love his Daredevil stuff. So why can't he be like this kind mm. of action movie also? I can't. Uh, I can't quite separate it. And, and like movie, right uh, after this movie um, was uh, Edge of Tomorrow, which is a movie I love and I thought was fantastic. And but again, you know, Sam Lee Blunt and Tom Cruise. Yeah. 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 Full and, metal bitch. And it gets worse with each you know passing year. So the Mummy was much worse than this in that regard because oh wait this is this is now four or five years later <laughs> and still. Because the joke for a long time was Tom Cruise keeps getting older, but his love interest keeps staying the same age. Yeah, he's like uh, the character from uh, Days and Confused. So, <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, but I mean, obviously he gives it his all. He he doesn't like phone it in. Like he's Tom Cruise, he doesn't do that typically. I can't I can't think of a Tom Cruise performance where he doesn't feel like he's he's there for it. <laughs> um, so, I guess know. he's just always going to feel like a superhero on screen. <laughs> I think it makes sense. That's why I like uh, Edge of Tomorrow so much because he has to he has to earn it, you know, throughout the film. Well, I think that's what impressed me about his performance in Edge of Tomorrow is that he does convincingly come off as this cowardly, cowardly piece of shit at the start, and yeah. he has to sort of grow out of it. Um, but you know, his action movie aura like works in the Mission Impossible movies, like it just because oh, totally. yeah. that's made to feel like a like a movie movie. You know, it feels like a you watch very it. real. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, it's not though, right? I know, I know there's stunts and stuff, but it's you know, but it's like. Well, that's really what I mean. Like, yeah. if when you're watching it, you're you're on the edge of your seat because you know what he's got, what he's putting into the film is yeah. his life. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of stunts and stuff like that, but it's also far more fake feeling in terms of like uh, the story itself. You know, it's oh, yeah, it's, yeah. it's ridiculous. Very fantastical. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's okay because that's the type of movie it is, and it's it's fine. Um, and obviously science fiction inherently has got a lot of things in it that are, you know, made up and whatever, but, you know, you use it to say something, you use it as an allegory, or you use it because it's... Whereas, I watched this movie, and I kind of get the feeling, like, the director's reason for doing a lot of things is because, oh, this just looks cool. And that's not necessarily an invalid reason to do things. Like, you know, seeing Tom Cruise riding his bike past, you know, like a bridge that's half in sand because, you know, the, the oceans have mostly dried up, you know, there's only, like, what, yeah, there's some left. great, like, uh, I'm sure some great Roland Emmerich porn in this. <laughs> of apocalyptic uh, cities. Post-apocalypse. I, I don't know. Is Roland Emmerich the type of guy who, like, he needs to see it be destroyed? It's just not enough to see the aftermath. <laughs> he needs to see the... <laughs> <laughs> he needs to see it actually happen. Maybe. Uh, yeah, so... Um, the ladies... Like, I, I think they both kind of get the, the shaft here in terms of, like being given material to work with. I think Andrea Riseborough, who's like the partner who's living with them, I think she suffers because she's meant to be the one who doesn't question like the orders. She's the one who doesn't have the wild side. Um and you know, I never really quite quite buy their chemistry. And I suppose maybe that's kind of the point because it's supposed to feel like it's not supposed you know, it's they're not really meant for each other she kind of feels like the truman show Laura yeah. Vinny character where you're just like this isn't right this isn't like they're playing the part but they're not yeah. really there i don't know i almost wonder if it would be more effective if like they did do a good job and like they, they had chemistry and when i say they could do a good job i just mean the, the right and the direction of it but like what if you actually made me really care about her 
Yeah, I mean, that's one of the changes I would make yeah. in the film. But I don't really want to talk about more until we get oh, sure. spoilers. Yeah. <laughs> and then Olga's character, who's just a spoiler, basically, <laughs> um, uh, out of her existence, so we can't really say who she is, but, like, her character is... Again, it's just kind of like a plot mechanic. She she she's she represents something in the plot. She is like you know, she's she's not really got an arc her own. She she's there to to be fought for, she's there to be uh wanted by the villain, she's there to be you know, this, she this sure and this. looks pretty doing it though. <laughs> she's very pretty the entire time. Uh, but that's that's kind of it. It's just she's got, I, she got a great stash of dry shampoo somewhere. <laughs> and I, I noticed especially in this film, she doesn't have a lot of dialogue. And I know that her accent is I don't know where in Europe she's from, but it's just, you know she's doing a, an American accent. Um, I wonder if that was like an intentional. We'll just she can keep us quiet as much as possible mm-hmm. and just kind of you know she'll, she'll she'll just sort of look kind of and stare and. Maybe have a tear come down just in the right moments and just, you know, say say a couple of words and that's kind of it. Um, yeah. She does a single tear, though. That's uh, that's good. Do they CGI those in yet? Or do you still have to be an actor who can do it? They do it in some things. And, and I have heard complaints of the CG tears been put put in. Uh, but well, I haven't noticed that yet. To, I must be, it must be relatively convincing when it happens because I, I've not really noticed it too much either, but... Uh, I imagine proper actors still cry themselves. Yeah, like Bryce Dallas Howard. She can do it. Sure. Why her, though? Why, why specifically her? <laughs> well, she has a... There's, like, a viral video of her doing it on Conan. Ah, He's, like, talking okay. about a story about Home Depot, and she starts to cry just from listening to the story. But that's, like, the whole deal is that she just needs somebody to talk or to tell a story, and then she can get herself to cry. It's pretty amazing. She even gets a single teardrop. Oh. Well, she's an actor, so... It's, it's, yeah. So she's in the right profession with that skill. <laughs> um, Maybe that was a tip that her dad gave her. Like, if you can do this one thing, you will get any job you want. <laughs> Is that because he couldn't do it when he was an actor? So he's like, I'm going to train my daughter from the age of two to cry <laughs> on command. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, yeah, so... Yeah, I mean, cinematography it obviously has the big sweeping shots with all the landmarks and stuff in it, you know, because it's in the New York kind of area because you see the, the tip of the Empire State Building sticking out of sand. Um, I noted that they didn't do a Statue of Liberty, and I think that's just because everyone, like, they, they knew everyone would be like, Planet of the Apes, Planet of the Apes. <laughs> Maybe uh, too much. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, you get a lot of those sweeping shots. I wouldn't say the, the visual style of the movie, though, is... It was not bad. Like it's, it's not a poor, it's not a poorly directed movie in a, in a visual and editing sense. But I wouldn't say it's exceptional either. I, I never really felt much in the way of like um, you know, when the action sequences play out later on. I never really felt any particular panache or like style that was making it feel a bit more inventive. It was competent. It was it was perfectly competent. It wasn't like choppy or like like hard to follow or anything. And that's a complaint I have with a lot of movies these days where I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh, I can't even follow this action scene because it's just too messy and there's too much going on. And uh, so I, I could always follow what was going on. So, it was, uh, you know, credit where credit is due. But I also never kind of went above for me to go, oh, that was a really cool standard action sequence because it made me feel like the adrenaline and the way it moved around the scene or, or whatever. And, and that's something, you know, to, to compare it to other Tom Cruise stuff, you know, like the better Mission Impossible movies. But I think of Ghost Protocol and I think of him 
just on the side of that building or I think of uh, some of the other sequences in that movie they're just so well directed that I'm like so into the action uh, so um, yeah yeah most of the action in this film sort of comes from the same the same type of thing over and over mm. again and it does feel like well this is only here to to put another barrier between our hero and his goal rather than to have a something really well shot and to to wow the audience yeah yeah for sure um uh i mean otherwise though i said i really like the music and i still do the, the score is fantastic uh mm-hmm. one of my favorite tracks plays at a moment i don't think it fits very well uh there's a moment where tom cruise and uh, andrea risebro go into like the pool which is a really fancy pool it's, it's like a it's like a giant like dish you'd put in the oven but it's like just a big pool that's like see-through and it like dangles down from like, the this like you know floating house that they're in um but it's when they jump in the pool and they're having this kind of romantic and maybe it's because i don't really buy the romance all that much but like this the track that plays you and that's great and i'm like oh man i like whenever i listen to that music like i always imagine something way better than this (laughs) this scene of them in the pool just kind of you know some butt though sure yeah you get some butt good for her yeah, did Tom Cruise show his butt? I don't remember. No, we get abs. Yeah, abs, okay. Abs and pecs. Abs and pecs. Well, it's, it's a very PG-13 movie. Yeah, yeah. Very PG-13. Yeah, just um, some butts. Um, but if you, if, I mean, even just in, like, tone and, like, you know, stuff, it feels very PG-13, you know? It doesn't feel like it's going for anything too edgy with what it's doing yeah it's not very horrific or very um gory or anything like that it's just yeah not a yeah. lot of foul language not no. a lot of talking except there's, from tom cruise yeah well there's one f-bomb and it does have a pretty decent f-bomb if you only have the mm-hmm. one f-bomb in the pg-13 it, it does choose its moment it fairly does, yeah. well you're right uh i'll, I'll give it that <laughs> uh so that's cool uh, unlike say kong skull island which the f-bomb just comes out of, like this weird like random exchange <laughs> yeah the movie's not very good <laughs> uh, it was kind of like when they dropped the first f-bomb in star trek discovery you're like wait did they just drop an f well, why yeah <laughs> like yeah, that yeah. like <laughs> surely there's a better or when, more or when data swears in uh star trek generations <laughs> <laughs> yeah surely there's a better more dramatic moment you could uh you know like give give someone a reason hey, to a swear of, it was a moment of levity yeah uh, okay I like, I like a good serious swear, like, because it's like, you know. They've definitely uh, toned back on it. Oh, yeah, they've not sworn since, like, season two, like, on Discovery. I think that's true, yeah, yeah. Uh, I wonder if they just got enough flack or enough weird, like... We this. haven't had any more boobs since the first season of Star Trek Discovery, either. We didn't have boobs. Well, we had Klingon boobs. We had boobs. Klingon boobs. They don't count. That's a prosthetic. We saw nips. <laughs> Aye, but prosthetic and makeup, that doesn't count. Alright. I'm not counting that. I was shocked. <laughs> I mean, I was shocked too, but... <laughs> um, no, uh, not counting that. So, um, yeah, I suppose we get into spoilers there. We could talk about the uh, the various things. Um, yeah, I... I, I yeah, let's get spoilers. Let's get spoilers. All right, so full spoilers then for for Oblivion from this point on. Um, so, like we say, the, the opening chunk of the movie, 
it's very much just showing what his routine is. It's showing that he's with this this woman, uh, Victoria. Oh, what did they keep calling her? Because it wasn't Vicky, but it was something like Vicky. I don't know. Uh, I couldn't actually catch it. <laughs> yeah, it was it was like a weird, like shortened or victim. I wasn't sure what her name was actually when the movie was over. I'm like, wait, what? What is her character called? It says Vi- pick it, up. it says Victoria, and I think he, I think at one point he did call her Vicky, but that was only once. Like almost every other time in the movie, when she was referred to something, it was something else. It was I like I thought it started with an A, but I don't know. Well, I'm not sure. Yeah, uh, yeah, that was that was weird. It was, it was a weird abbreviation, but um so we get their routine we get what they're like uh as tom cruise is is narrating and obviously everything's too perfect so you know something's not quite right mm-hmm. um I, I you know and that was kind of what i was getting at earlier is that there's, there's, there's this kind of weird fine line where it's you know you either have to make it feel very natural so it's a nice big twist when it turns out to be something's not quite right or you really lean into it, like truman show or something like that where uh like we're so in on it that it feels like we're spotting all the signs but because it kind of plays it straight with the characters and how they're going through things and uh how like she's reacting to things and like you know for, for example the pool scene where she's like oh this you know she, she, she is a bit of a deflection tactic because he's talking about like you know but what if the world's you know fine there's you know I, I grew a plant like maybe maybe we don't have to leave and she's like shut up honey let's have sex and that's kind of like her distraction tactic mm-hmm. um but, you know, there's not a lot of emotion in it, uh, you know. Uh, so, like, to all, to, honestly, she's so off in this first part of the movie that it made me think she was, like, in on it. Like, because you know, she's not. She, she's just as, like, clueless as he is. But she comes off almost like she, like, like Truman Show, where she's like, no, she's, like, working with the the people in charge, or, you know, whoever's doing this. Uh, so. Yeah, I think she just comes off as somebody who's very by the book who's very just trying to do what her duty is so that she can go home. Yeah. Uh, but like we said, it starts with uh, the Leisure Tea style like dream sequence where Tom Cruise is dreaming of Olga uh, and it's got this kind of old-timey kind of photo style visual look to it. And it's just like, it's a couple of moments and he's talking about how he's like, these, these are memories that I've never had because I, I wasn't born back when New York was like, a place that existed and had people in it um yep so but what, what is this coming Our from first red flag <laughs> <laughs> yeah um and this they say like multiple times that they're done in two weeks and i'm like okay i don't i don't believe that you're <laughs> done in two weeks two weeks from retirement damn there's something fishy about this um especially the way sally kept saying like are you an effective team <laughs> I actually like her a lot. I like the uh, the the voice of uh, their boss and the look of her boss. Mm. I thought I thought she was a a neat character, you know, where she just she's so unique. She has a, a very specific accent to where it comes off as very uh, like a like a real person that you're, they're talking to, um, but also has this formulaic way of speaking to them where it, there's an undertone of something else. That could be sinister. Yeah, obviously it sort of escalates as the as the movie goes on. Mm-hmm. Every now and then there's a glitch cause since the signal's coming from somewhere else, and it sounds a little robotic. <laughs> yeah, it's coming from the uh, the tent, which is the big monolithic space station or spaceship that's sort of orbiting the Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's obviously more than that later. 
But, uh, yeah, so he goes out, he fixes a drone, we see kind of, like, how, how what his days are like. Uh, but I guess this is the second day he goes out, it, it turns out he's got a secret little, like, area. There's actually, like, a, an area that's uh, full of life, it's full of trees, and it's got a little lake. And he's built a little house there, and he's got a bunch of memorabilia that he's found. He's found old records, he's found, like, a baseball hat that he wears. Um, and he just spends some time there, and he's, like... Mm-hmm you know at home he's just comfortable uh but you know when he gets a call that there's something going on he still goes out although he's lying to her about this place but he still goes out and and so on and so on and it sets some things up early where one of the drones which is designed to kill any scabs that it finds uh there's a dog and of course tom cruise is like no get out of here dog like you know this drone i've just fixed is about to start shooting you so he gets rid of it so it's setting you up that he's willing to let things that aren't you know live that aren't the the target and this is important because then we have the and when i'm watching the movie this feels really coincidental to me but honestly by the end it kind of like it had to happen eventually it was just a case of this is the tom cruise so, i mean we're in spoilers so i, I can say that this yes. is the this is the tom cruise that it happened to which is if finally the, the 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 life pods of this spaceship come down the odyssey and one of them is the woman from his dreams um and all of the other space pods where the people haven't woken up all get killed by the robots tom cruise protects her and takes her back up to the base um honestly at this point i feel like we have to just explain what the the premise of the story is and then go back into scenes and sort of talk about how the scenes play them out because it's so complex that it's you know (laughs) it's it's hard to it's hard to just kind of like keep yeah, going sure, sure. through it yeah so right so like we said the cover story is that the scavs came they blew up the moon to cause chaos on earth and then came down and fought earth earth won the war though so humanity won the war but earth still screwed so they all went to titan we find out later that this is not true titan uh well, it exists, but there's no one on it. Titan's empty, <laughs> right? Um, it turns out the tent is actually the per- the thing that blew up the moon and, like, screwed up the Earth. Uh, the Odyssey was a spaceship, a mission in 2017. Keep in mind, this came out in 2013, so this was, like, you know, the near future at the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Odyssey was a ship that went out to explore Titan, but once they got out there, there was this, this mysterious UFO thing, and they tried to make contact with it, and because Tom Cruise and, uh, you know, Andrea Risebro's characters were the ones who were awake flying the ship when everyone else was asleep, uh, they get taken. And the tent comes, it blows up the moon, it sends down clones of Tom Cruise as an army to kill most of the survivors, uh, and it's now been using clones of Tom Cruise ever since to maintain the drones on the ground so that that part of what his job is is true like you know that's why he's there mm-hmm. uh but what we find out later is that there's lots of tom cruises on earth because he's told to never go into the restricted area which is like you know they say it's you know it's uh radioactive, radioactive or something yeah. yeah uh but when he goes into the radioactive area it turns out that that he, he finds another and this, this was like when i was like wait you're doing the clone thing as well from moon really like i like i couldn't believe because obvi- it's really obvious like assuming he's gone up to like the other ship that's crashed mm-hmm. or landed and you're like that's not that's going to be another tom cruise like this, yeah. is, this is the only thing that makes sense at this point in the movie is that this is another tom cruise uh so 
yeah so that's the thing that's going on he's been cloned uh that's the thing at the start of the movie he says that he had a a mandatory memory wipe five years ago and i'm like do you not think that's suspicious jack <laughs> like why why have you got a mandatory memory wipe what's the purpose of that he doesn't remember <laughs> that's true True. I'm sure uh, Tom Cruise thought, well, I mean, I would have said yes at the time if it was good enough reason, so that's good enough for me. <laughs> yeah, and then the other part of this, of course, is that the scavs that are running around are actually just people uh, that are wearing masks and stuff, uh, mm-hmm. uh, led by Morgan Freeman, and they're trying to fight to take back Earth and destroy the tent so they can live again in some way. So that, that's that's like explaining the, the, the broad stroke of the whole thing, is what we find out. And Olga is actually Tom Cruise's wife in the movie right they were they were married before they went up on the spaceship uh, and he sent her back and the reason why i said it's not actually that coincidental is because we see in the flashback towards the end that you know he jettisoned the life pods on, and back to earth and it's taken 60 years because they were you know they were near saturn when when he did this so it makes sense that eventually this had to happen and that's why presumably all of the tom cruises that are doing this you know mission now where they don't remember anything and they're sort of maybe gaining attachment to the past uh they, they presumably all have that they pr- probably all have the same like character growth but they all have like you know little things they've found from the past they probably all care and that's heavily implied get hints of that too yeah because yeah. because you know number 52 the the second one we meet at the end it seems like yeah he's been having the same memories the same dreams uh you know he's going to probably end up with the wife again um but the wide reason why R1 is different is because R1 is the one, this is the moment that makes him different, is because his wife actually lands in front of him and he has a chance to, like, save her. Mm-hmm. And this is what convinces Morgan Freeman that this one's different. And there are some nice ideas that come out of this later. We'll talk about that when we get some specifics, but uh, there you go. I've explained it. <laughs> it's actually quite a lot. It's quite a lot to explain. <laughs> sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, you do a good job. Thank you. Thank you, Kathy. So so yeah uh so he takes her back to the 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 you know the base the the house whatever you want to call it and you know victoria is not too thrilled about this she doesn't want to let her in she's like jealous immediately well we've gotten the scene before where he brings her a flower that he's grown for her seemingly over some time Mm. and she immediately just throws it over the edge <laughs> that's a contamination that may be radioactive <laughs> yeah just like uh, in wally i even think of that but you're right that's another, that's another <laughs> thing just like wally yeah <laughs> yeah uh so the the resuscitator bring her back uh and you can tell that victoria's getting jealous because when they're they're at the dinner table and like tom cruise is explaining the like the history and obviously mm-hmm. i mean you think about this later from like olga's perspective like she's just woken up <laughs> and the last thing she remembers was probably like going to sleep in the ship yeah um well her reaction is to laugh right away <laughs> well she laughs when she sees that they're together as a thing because she because uh, victoria holds his hand right uh, almost to assert like dominance that this is my man like you back off yeah bitch. okay you're hot but like i'm okay and he's mine <laughs> <laughs> um so uh, yeah i never actually thought this when i was watching it but now i'm thinking about it like olga obviously she's laughing and she's really confused right now about you know the time period and she's she's confused about why her husband's with this other person 
but she doesn't actually know the truth about what happened until after she gets the flight recorder because she was asleep for all of the yeah. things that happened in space it is very surprising when you think about it like she didn't react to him right away to seeing him as like oh my god thank god it's you yeah or yeah. something you know so i i i thought throughout the film that she already knew something about uh the aliens other than like they were going to go meet them um but that they were hostile or something and that his memory was wiped or something like that yeah i guess you just you have to take it as that she's so delirious and like you know coming out of this you know long sleep this long coma that yeah she's just kind of not processing it immediately and then before she has a chance to really react to anything like you know victoria is like you know putting the, the, the line in the sand <laughs> i suppose so um, maybe if i watched it again i would notice but <clears throat> or i'd pay more attention to that that moment just to see how what her acting is like there um because i i think i although i had seen this movie before it had been a while so i wasn't this some of the stuff i didn't really remember quite so well yeah it'd been a long i mean it's been nine years like it's actually been nine years since this came out which is insane in its own yeah right um but she's like hey i need to go and get my flight recorder i need to like know uh you know what happened to the ship and tom cruise like obviously feels something and he has this natural curiosity so he agrees and he leaves before you know before victoria even wakes up so it's you know he's in trouble basically if he comes back <laughs> he's in trouble uh, definitely so they fly out and get that but you know there's you know i think, I think it's before this he gets attacked by uh the scavs like he thinks they're, they're trying to kidnap him mm-hmm. um but he gets out in the nick of time uh yeah and he mentions that they were trying to capture me they weren't trying to kill me which uh was confusing for him yeah but also sparks more curiosity yeah, no it does uh so yeah they end up uh well they, they, they eventually get captured by the the scavs basically uh by the the humans and are taken to their base and you know there's a lot of moments throughout the film where you see like you know someone in a mask with binoculars you know looking up at the the house or just watching tom cruise from a distance they steal his bike at one point um and basically he wakes up in a dark room and morgan freeman's there all ominous and saying things like have you ever actually met a scav you know the, the point being that he's going to say you know it's not real um uh i'm actually not am i mixing things up did they go to the uh, did they have the scene on top of the empire state building first i don't think so is that is that after this i think that's after you're right yeah because the, the ship because uh victoria sends the autopilot ship to go get them and it she, she sees them kiss from the ship you know uh mm-hmm. like they're, they are not even kissing they're just kind of holding each other kind of affectionately and the ship comes yeah. up behind them and it's like oh well he, he in that moment he's just realized that that's his wife yeah. she says like we're married yeah because <laughs> uh, you know, they're at the place where they were when he proposed uh you know mm-hmm. that's the memory that he's he's dreaming about uh looking through the telescope convenient yeah i mean it works because it's okay yeah yeah it's a famous landmark so it kind of works that he would go there to propose also it's in his area of you know of work so it makes sense that that maybe he's seen this before and it's triggering something in his mind yeah and maybe the shuttle was programmed to land back in the new york area because i mean not obviously ships you know spaceships tend to launch from uh, elsewhere because nasa is not really new york based but 
I wonder if, like, because they're New York-based or something, it was supposed to land there. Otherwise, this is maybe a little convenient that the one, like, the wife landed in the zone that was important mm -hmm. to them as a couple. It's also convenient that she didn't age 60 years. Cryosleep, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's all I got for you. That would have been hilarious, though. Yeah. Oh, if she, yeah, if she was like a, you know, if she, she came back as like an eighty-five-year-old or something. <laughs> yeah, she'd be older than Morgan Freeman when she came out of the the pod. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's me, Jack. It's me, your wife. <laughs> she just comes out of old Scottish woman. <laughs> your wife. <laughs> I'm sorry, I can't do an accent, especially it's when okay, I'm doing an old person impression at the same time. <laughs> All right, no more voices for you. Uh, so, but yeah, so I guess this explained to them. They kind of explained their plan. They want them to reprogram a drone they've kidnapped to carry a bomb that they've made out of all these like fusion cells up to the tent to blow up. Mm -hmm. And they because there's a bunch of like smaller versions of the tent all over the earth. Because so one of the things that they're there to do is take all the resources. That's why they destroyed the planet for. For people oh to live yeah, on that's it. that's the uh, the ones that suck up the water. Yeah, yeah, they're looking for resources, so that's why that's why they're still around. And uh, we see one of them explode, and apparently, just one of the re fusion reactor things that they have did that. But they've collected multiple, and it needs to go to the mothership. Yeah, I think that was a test drive or something, uh, mm -hmm. or possibly lure out Tom Cruise. One of the two. Um, but yeah, they wake up in the middle of the night. Uh, this is before the wife's there. Because I, I think it's when he's out investigating this that the the ship crashes mm -hmm. uh, down. I uh, agree. So, yeah, so they explain his plan. They're, they're going to hit, they're going to like hurt him. They threaten to shoot, uh, you know, Olga when they bring her out. I should say Julia because that's a character name, but <laughs> it's easier to say Olga. Um, it's, a more, it's a more memorable name because it's more distinct. We keep saying Tom Cruise and, yeah. <laughs> instead of Jack. It's impossible to see him as Ethel and Tom Cruise, though. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, sometimes I see Ethan Hunt. Sure, that's about it. Jerry uh, Maguire, maybe. So a, a drone shows up, though, like to like, sort of threaten their base. So they sort of have to take it down. So we get like a bit of an action scene where there's like like several like snipers like on either side trying to like shoot at weak spots, and it shows how destructive they are because it sort of you know like kills a few of them and ends up when it does eventually go down. It sort of explodes into a wall and probably kills another one or two of them so uh, you know it's just it's like hey one of these things is really tough to take down you know it takes a lot of effort takes a lot of coordination uh which is why later on when they send three of them at the same time and they break into the actual interior of this base it's going to be a big deal and uh you know cause a mm -hmm. lot of chaos um but yeah these guys are very portal like yes it's basically they design. they're, they're, they're like the round turrets <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're portal-like with a HAL 9000 eye. That is, that is what they are. <laughs> I think the turrets, uh, the, uh, yeah, the turrets in uh, the game also have the red eye. I don't remember. It's been so long since I've like played any of it. Mm -hmm. uh, before this movie, I, I probably haven't touched any of Portal since like 2010 or something like that. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and so then the like Morgan Freeman says, "Hey, go off into those uh, those forbidden zones. Like, go find some answers there." And he lets him go. He gives him his bike back, and he lets them ride off. But they go to the Empire State Building, and this is where Olga drops all the uh, 
all the big the bombshells of like because he's like who are you like i've seen you in my my dreams and uh my restless sleep you know where i find you again in silent hill <laughs> um, so i realized i was paraphrasing something from the start of silent hill 2 which is about a man who gets a letter from his dead wife saying she's in silent hill and he says like i get it you don't get the reference some people may have enjoyed that you you did not it's fine um, it is fine. <laughs> so, yeah, it, it, like, there's a lot. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff to like, explain uh, with, with these like moving parts and like how it gets to the point where he's remembering things and his reaction now that he does remember things. You know, the Victoria won't let him in. Uh, in fact, one of the most PG thirteen things about the movie, I would say, is the way she dies because like her body just like disappears. Yeah. It kind of happens off screen, also. Yeah, we just see we just see like the ashes. Because one of the drones comes up next to the house, and she's like standing in between like him and the drone, and the drone fires, and yeah, you, you just you hear the shots, and then like Tom Cruise is diving, but you, you can't see her body lying on the floor where it would be, or you know at all. Mm-hmm. Um, admittedly, now I'm thinking about. It, I think one of the the guys in the you know the 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 rebels or whatever you want to call them. We do see someone else get blown up that way. They get disintegrated basically. So I'm not mm-hmm. sure if they always if that's just what the laser gun does. It just makes them go you know poof. But I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I think that's the point of it. Yeah, maybe it is. In the moment though, I thought it was weird that I couldn't see like even like well, some legs or something. Just <laughs> you know. <laughs> Yeah, although I don't enjoy the love story in the movie, I think I do still feel bad for her character, for um, uh, the redhead character. Victoria. Victoria. And, you know, she is just as much of a victim as Tom Cruise. She just was unfortunately not cloned with the brain of Tom Cruise, who has this uh, rejection of authority, maybe, in trying to be more curious and uh, <laughs> adventurous so like i kind of wish that there was still some sort of storyline where he tries to you know at least save one of them one of the victorious or something not in it, like a i love her kind of way but just like yeah. a, you know she's not a bad person <laughs> yeah because he meets the se- he meets the second one uh after he knocks out and like ties up his clone he like flies up to the other like house on this sector mm-hmm. and because he's getting like medical supplies because olga gets shot and yeah there's this like, interaction and it's kind of like sad that she's here and she's expecting to go home soon and it's like okay that's a, maybe a little interesting the idea that maybe we can build sympathy for her now but uh there's not a lot of it you know there's not a ton of it i guess because she kind of comes off so cold in yeah. the first um third of the film and you know when tom cruise meets his wife she's automatically like well i'm gonna reject you now since you've abandoned me and our our perfect little world that we live in but at the same time like you know all of these clones are all real people they're not like they're not i mean you can describe them as drones but they all have the same personality of the people that they were cloned from and they're all individuals so isn't it wrong to like let them die or let them suffer or let them be a part of the system that they are stuck in Yes, well, that begs the question: What happens when they blow up the tent at the end? What happens to all the Tom Cruises and all the Victorias? They, they, yeah, if they were on their homes, then they probably also got 
blowed up or maybe not maybe they didn't maybe well, they're all free yeah maybe they're still the house is still a worker function all right i imagine the houses would have fallen so all the victorias probably died well to be fair, the second one we see isn't floating. It's actually on a mountain. It's, like, it's got like a leg. Oh, okay, okay. And it's on a mountain. So maybe not all of them are floating. Maybe not, yeah. Uh, so. Yeah. Populate the world with Tom Cruise and redheaded lady. Uh, Victoria's. <laughs> I don't remember the name of the actress. <laughs> Andrea Riseborough. Uh, Andrea Riseborough's, yeah. Not, not a bad start for population. Maybe a lot of uh, similar genes, though. <laughs> Yeah, uh, maybe that's a bad idea. Uh, <laughs> yeah, the movie doesn't really bother trying to like address what happens to all the other clones that are presumably on Earth uh, mm-hmm. at the end of the movie, but yeah, whatever. Um, it's one for me- every country. It's worth mentioning though that it's her own fault. Like, she this like she basically kills herself because she calls the drone and says, "Hey, like he's not useful anymore. Like we're not a." a suitable team she i don't think she understood exactly what the consequences were going to oh, be when no she said no that. i agree yeah because she still thinks she's talking to a human when she talks to the the lady with the accent i get the feeling that if one of them is defective it'll just kill both of them and restart with a new set yeah. of clones yeah why not yeah in fact i wonder if like the reason why we're this is like two weeks till like retirement if you will is because they used to have it be longer, and they figured out that this is around the time when t- Tom Cruise's character starts to get too curious. Like, this is, mm-hmm. like, right at the cutoff, and that's why. Yeah, presumably this has been going on for at least, like, what, 50 years or something, so... Um, since the takeover happened. I, I don't know if they actually say how long it's been. Uh, about 60 years, I think, they say at one point. They said 60 years, so the, the uh. monolith thing got, there right, got to Earth right away with a thousand Tom Cruises to take over. That would be a good army, an army of Tom Cruise. Well, uh, yeah, that's the thing. Like Morgan Freeman mentions that after you know, he saw, presumably as a young boy <laughs> this time, he saw the moon go down and then the army of Tom Cruise's, which, and we find out that, you know, Jack's character, Jack is a, like a celebrated astronaut. He's like kind of the best of us. And mm-hmm. he was like, you know, bastardized into all these clones. Now, this is the interesting thing is that obviously all these clones that get sent to kill people they must have been very different from the clones that we know that are doing this cleanup job because if they were all together, then one, they'd, they'd see each other, and two, they're straight up killing humans. So there was clearly a stricter control on that version of the clones that were being made. Yeah, I imagine so. Uh, so I will say that the idea that I like in this, and I wish it was, it felt it had, had a bit more heft to it, but the idea that I do really like in this is, and it's Morgan Freeman's giving a great little speech when he's explaining all this stuff happened, uh, but he says that, um, you know, when he saw when he saw Jack protect, you know, what turned out to be his wife, uh, the, this idea that eventually this good person would, like, remember who he is or, or find himself again. Uh, mm-hmm. I actually has a really interesting idea of, like, just, like, you know, what a soul is or humanity in that c- case where, like, eventually one of these Jacks was going to, like, just learn enough and be empathetic enough to like become himself again um and you know so that's it i was laughing earlier on when you said something because it occurred to me that uh this is like the opposite of rocket man he's like the perfect guy to send up into space <laughs> you know he's like the best what of the a best great movie. Mm. <laughs> yeah, he's the uh he's the he's the william sadler <laughs> in many ways yeah he's the william sadler of this 
Uh, Maybe too old for the role, but he would have been good too. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, I, I did like that concept. I did like that 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 general idea. I, I think it's maybe just a case of the movies like just playing with too much because it, you know it has to spend so much of the movie just getting through the idea of what happened to Earth and all the rest of it. By the time you introduce the clones, it's like, oh god, this is like just a hodgepodge of so much sci-fi ideas. Maybe I, I think you could do it a, a little bit cleaner than the way the the film has done it. Uh, mm. But I don't think all the ideas are too much. I think maybe some of the action set pieces are unnecessary. Yeah, I mean, I know why they're in there to kind of spruce up the film, but I think I like a movie without so much action. Yeah, I agree. Like, because after this happens, like they they go into the forbidden zone, they find the clone, he knocks himself mm-hmm. out. The forbidden zone. <laughs> <laughs> uh, after he patches her up, they go back to like Morgan Freeman and co. And he's obviously going to help them now because like now he understands what's going on and that Sally's actually just the AI on the ship that's controlling them and it's all awful and whatever. And he's reprogrammed the drone. The drone thing doesn't go through though because three drones uh, come and find them. Uh, and there's, like, there's a neat little scene actually where you see sort of Sally kind of like remembering what one of the distress calls was earlier on when they sent the first drone and realize that's probably where the base is. So she sends out three drones and they get into the building. So we get this big action scene where there's drones in the building, like, you know, and there's just gunfire and Tom Cruise is like jumping around and diving and ducking and so on and so on. And it's all right. It's 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 not, it's not a bad action scene, but yeah, it doesn't necessarily feel like it's, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. alternated per se. Uh, yeah. Maybe maybe that's partly why this feels a little bit hollow overall, is because it feels like a movie that's full of like harder sci-fi ideas, but it wants to package it into like a you know, a friendly blockbuster with enough action for everyone to you know. It's got the Tomorrow War problem. Maybe. Yeah, I mean this is much better <laughs> than the Tomorrow War. Like I mean, it's, it's a, you know, late years ahead of the Tomorrow War. But yeah, totally. kind of. Yeah, I think it's a fair comparison in some ways. Yeah, I think so too. Especially if you if you're looking at it like holistically, if you, you take a step back and like what what's the movie really talking about? I mean, I guess you can kind of say it's talking about like being a part of a system, much like the Matrix or something, where if you don't question why you're doing something, then maybe someone's just taking advantage of you and you shouldn't really be doing it. Questioning like just following orders and mm. um, you know an alien coming in and taking all the resources and destroying the the land and not caring about the people that live in it could be like a colonial thing. Um, I got I actually you're kind of hitting on something that I guess I, I would also add on to this pile. Then is that I'm not so sure it does really have anything to say. I feel like it's a bunch of cool ideas because they're cool ideas, but not because it's like forming like a cohesive like this is the message that the film is trying to get across. The fact I don't that you're, know. I kind of picked up on that when I was watching it. It just it felt like this is some sort of a commentary on, like, um, like government overreach in a way where they're or not overreach, but maybe more like colonialism. Just uh, something coming in and wiping out the population um, and taking its resources and leaving a shithole behind. <laughs> okay, I mean, I, I think. I'm not really seeing it, and I think the reason why I'm not seeing it too much is because there's so many clashing things in the movie that it feels like they're all... It's too flashy. Well, that's not, well, that's a bit too flashy, but that's not really what I'm saying. I'm, I'm saying that 
because you've got that side of things, you've got the clone side of things where it's kind of like someone, like the idea that his humanity will come through in the end and that someone who is good will still be good and you can't take your humanity away from him. It's like, we'll mm-hmm. eventually find it again, kind of thing. Uh, and maybe that is a little matrixy. And you can even, I think the list I was looking at earlier tried to say it did take from the matrix because like Morgan Freeman's like this mentor figure like Morpheus and I was like, that's a bit of a stretch. I'm not quite seeing that. No, but when Morgan Freeman shows up with the glasses and, like, the match to light his cigar and stuff, I'm like, well, that's a picture from Le Chetay. <laughs> oh, <laughs> sure. just surrounded yeah. by darkness. <laughs> yeah, you're right, it is, it is. It looks uh, like the guys with the goggles and stuff, the scientist. Yeah, that's, that's good. Um, so, yeah, because it's got all these different elements, I, th- I think, like, it's not really got a cohesive message overall, and it's not really, like, the kind of necessarily blend together all that well. Um, so, and they're all fun ideas, right? And I think when we've seen them done individually, they, they tend to, like, have a bit more to say because they're focusing really, you know, on the clone, you know, they're focusing really on the, you know, the, the control and the system and, like, breaking free of it and all that. Um, and that doesn't they can't merge, but, like, I don't know if they do in this movie, per se. I think that's a... It's just something that occurred to me as you were sort of, like, rhyming off the, the eight different things it could be. The reason why there's eight different things it could be is because there's so many ideas in here that uh yeah i mean it doesn't have to be specifically one thing for it to be good (laughs) i don't know like there could be a a message that the director was trying to get through and maybe it did get lost in all the hollywoodness of it Mm. or maybe it can be interpreted in different ways kind of like the matrix i agree with the first part i I don't know if this can be interpreted in many ways like the matrix because the Matrix can. The Matrix absolutely can. <laughs> the Matrix is much easier to do so. Are you saying this is a more challenging film than The Matrix? Um, maybe, actually. <laughs> no, I'm drawing a line here. This, movie's, <laughs> this, this movie is... And I'm not saying it's dumb, but it's dumber than The Matrix, so therefore it's not more complex. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't, I mean, if you say challenging, I think it's challenging, more challenging to find the theme <laughs> than in the Matrix. Oh yeah, but not, not for the right reasons. <laughs> when, when I say a movie's challenging, I mean it's like it's really challenging the viewer to like pay attention and actually pick up the the subtleties and you know, you know, get what it's saying. <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I think you can. Uh, I mean, if you're just doing with the, you know the woman who's just following orders and stuff and, and doing what she's told, even though um, her boss is not on her side, it is a little bit matrixy of just being stuck in a system of yeah. people that take advantage of you because you think that this is what you need and this is what you want and this is what you need to be happy. But really, it's, uh, you know, you're always going to be under someone else's thumb. Yeah, I, I think the problem is, though, is that by the time you get to the end, there's like so many other things happening that, like... You know, like, oh, now there's an Eden where she's got a daughter, which we'll talk about the kid in a minute because I'm confused. Um, <laughs> maybe I have to have a Birds and the Beast conversation on the show because I don't understand how that happened. <laughs> yeah. My guess she was, is she was a frozen embryo, but <laughs> in the pod. <laughs> because it doesn't seem like at any point, like, our main character of Tom Cruise had sex with her to get her pregnant, which is kind of, which I feel is what the ending was kind of implying, but I'm like, this never happened. Maybe she found another clone and then killed him. <laughs> After she she black widowed him. As funny as that is, like the whole point at the ending is that the, the the other clone we met eventually finds her, and it's like, oh, there's a second chance for us to to be with you know him, kind of. Yeah. 
because um, I, I do like the, the the main one that we have uh you know 40 something you know the main tom cruise he he says at one point i know i'm not really him like i am obviously a copy of a copy like i i you know like the real me was 60 years ago uh like mm-hmm. i'm not technically him but i have all the memories and that's the sort of thing well, where if, if you were if you were doing like a, a focused like exploration of that idea you'd be doing things where like you know as a clone a real person does it have a soul if it has all the memories of a person is it just a splinter point where okay they start to gain new experiences but but they were still the same person up until that point kind of thing um you know so uh, like uh, you know it, it just it just kind of like ah it just waves it you know it's a very quick move on because it's oh we've got other ideas to do we've got other cool things we want to get to so I, I do think i do genuinely think it's too overstuffed to the point where nothing gets a chance to really say anything um but yeah um yeah i think i can agree with that um it would be nice if there was a much clearer message i suppose um especially because like so many there are lots of you know movies and books and stuff that are about that i mean brave new world is probably the most obvious one um where this is like enough of a story enough of a question to make a whole film about it you know yeah i mean or certainly an episode of star trek next generation i feel like can could could tackle this yeah it's funny uh it's funny you say that Yeah, like it's exactly the sort of thing that uh, is ripe for like exploration. All of these ideas are the you know the the alien overlords, the the cloning, the um, you know the post-apocalyptic nature of everything, the idea of uh, you know the yeah like the breaking out of the the the, the illusion of control under the guise of the the cake, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, but the cake is a lie. Like so many, and I'm not saying you can't like combine some of these things. You absolutely can, uh, but it, it almost feels like there's enough stuff in here for it to be like a season of a TV show. Like this could be ten episodes. So by the time you get to dealing with some of the stuff, you could have explored enough of the other elements that it wouldn't feel like like it was rushing through it too much. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I suppose uh, you probably didn't would have to change the robots so that they weren't so evil looking sure yeah yeah if you wanted to do the tv show version of this so that we can at least get through a few episodes before we're like oh they're the bad guys <laughs> yeah uh and i think it would actually give you room to have a few more action set pieces than even the movie has because you would it would be okay because it'd be spread out over you know x number of episodes so mm-hmm. uh you know i think that's that's a fair point to make uh, um but yeah so so they go back to your favorite and that uh the the drone gets destroyed that we're going to use so it's like shit what are we going to do well sally did ask for the prisoner or for the survivor you know for for olga to be taken up and she's like let me do it let me do it like i'll go up with the bomb this is like i can sally wants to make a new set of clones with uh with olga instead of uh andrea yeah because obviously he'll be more content and happy because this is actually his wife so therefore Mm -hmm. it'll basically stamp out any you know rebellion in them right effectively and you know uh, so they do a little swerve on us here where you think he's going up with her in the pod uh but it's actually morgan freeman you know they they, when they when they jump out it's morgan freeman and sally's like this is not the the survivor and (laughs) we get we get her f-bomb he says f you sally 
She gets full GLaDOS from Portal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Although we've heard glimpses of her voice a little bit uh, earlier in the film. When, when it gets to storage, uh, there's like a little like moment of... Because oh. Sally's yeah. based on the person who was like the mission control person. Because while they're flying up, Tom Cruise like listens to the flight recorder for the, the, the Odyssey. And here's like what happened. And we get the flashback of, oh, they're going towards this ship to investigate it. And the, those two are awake, which is why those two are the ones that are cloned and everything else. He jettisons the, the life pods before they get to it. Um, so so he has all that context with him. He goes into the thing. And it's very Independence Day when he's going in, I thought. The visual of it. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. Uh, I do like, like though, because she can tell when he's lying. So she's like, hey, like you have to be honest right now because you're, 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 your heart's beating fast. You're nervous. What's going on? And I do kind of like that he kind of circumvents by telling the truth just by telling the truth in a way that's omitting anything that would get mm-hmm. him in trouble so he's like i want to save my wife and i want to save earth and, and humanity and this is the only way i can do that and technically all of that was true <laughs> right <laughs> technically all of that was Very true clever. yeah so they blow up the tent a uh, big glorious moment and as all this is happening we see uh, olga waking up in the the lush you know his little haven uh, mm-hmm. has his garden of eden and <laughs> we skip ahead at the end and we see that she has a kid uh the survivors uh the main one who's under like morgan freeman who's kind of like i guess now in charge is a uh, nicolage uh, something something the guy from uh game of thrones you jamie think? lannister yes yes I-, I would never have thought of that he's but i've seen him in other things well i mean in? that's really the only thing i know him from yeah he's in he's in this <laughs> he's in this yeah he's, he's in this uh i, I could... want to say this around yeah this is not too long after game of thrones started wasn't that like 2010 or something 2011 yeah 2011 i'd say uh if i was going to say something uh oh he's in, a, he's in a swedish movie called headhunters that i was wanting to see at one point and never get around to it Maybe he's a very I... good actor he, he's kind of you know just a recognizable face in this not really too much of a character oh yeah zoe ball standing next to him at one point but you don't really notice her otherwise yeah <laughs> she's just kind of there um <laughs> but yeah so we skip ahead so yeah the survivors find this garden so it's like oh hey we can all live in this lush garden now and it's a community and the second tom cruise is with them and it's this thing where he's not really the same one but that doesn't really matter in the sense that hey my kid can have a father now the question I have is, when was this kid conceived? <laughs> was she supposed to be pregnant when she went to cryosleep? Which, for the record, I'm pretty sure they wouldn't let her board that spaceship <laughs> if she was pregnant when they launched that mission. Oh man, it's super dark if she got pregnant during <laughs> cryosleep. Oh. <laughs> is that, isn't that somehow taken from Passengers then, if, if that's the case? I actually haven't seen that film. Yeah. Uh, not, not that that specifically happens in it, but just the idea that, you know, Chris Pratt wakes dark. her up, you know. <laughs> yeah, I know. Didn't they spoil that in the trailer? Uh, think... Or maybe not. Maybe it's just super obvious from the trailer. Yeah. Um, we'll have to do that someday. It's a sci-fi movie. <laughs> so. I've not seen it. My father loves that film, though. He's been waiting for me to watch it. You're going to judge him. <laughs> I already do. <laughs> You're going to judge him when you see it. Um, yeah, I mean, ultimately, like... I came off sounding very harsh at the start of this, mainly because Tara was edging me on. <laughs> but I want to say that I think this is a very glossy Hollywood kind of hollow 
movie. But I think it's a very good example of that type of thing. And I think it's still relatively enjoyable and very watchable. I think it's better than The Tomorrow People. I think it's better than Passengers. <laughs> I'm picking on Chris Pratt movies for some reason right now. Um, He's easy to pick on. Yeah. But it's, it's not as good as, say, like Edge of Tomorrow. Like, they pick another Tom Cruise sci-fi movie. Edge yeah, of, a fantastic film. Edge of Tomorrow, like, has a great idea. It has a really good, solid character arc. Um... And it's not that that doesn't take from things. I mean, you can't talk about, uh, about Edge of Tomorrow without saying, hey, Groundhog Day, right? And that's an example where they took one idea from another movie and made it its own thing. Whereas here, mm-hmm. I kind of feel like, oh, they just kept putting things in. So we'll just throw a lot of the wall and we'll see what sticks. And ultimately, it's not really saying anything. And because of that, you're kind of left with this feeling that it's just a hodgepodge of these different movies that you've seen. It does feel a so, bit like somebody's like, well, we want to write a sci-fi movie. Let's just watch a bunch of them. Yes. All the all the, the ones that people like and uh, see what we can come up with. But I do think what they come up with is pretty cool. Which could almost uh, feel like a, like a shouldn't fan movie. Just it happens to have a huge budget. I do think, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if the director had much to do with the writing of this film, but like I, I it is, he hasn't done very many films up to this point. Uh... So interestingly, he's not a writer on the movie, but he is a writer on the original story, which was a graphic novel. Oh, interesting. That's the story. It's very real that the writer of the comic book gets. To, oh, pardon me. Gets to uh, direct the movie adaptation. That's kind of weird. Um, that you know what? That doesn't surprise me because there's very, don't worry, there's very good comic books that are sci-fi and original stories. But there's also a lot of comic books where you like especially sci-fi and like horror where you read them and go, Oh, this is just the writer like doing all their favourite things from like movies that you've seen. So that does not surprise me that this was a comic book first. You know what else I think he directed I think he directed that um that Gears of War trailer that had the Mad World song in it. That ah. was really that was really popular. That was I mean, that was a really good commercial and I remember that one. And I didn't play video games like that then. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, that was his first directorial credit. I think that's pretty cool. And then he did Tron Legacy, which is a film I really like. Though I think you're not going to like it. <laughs> hey, I, I haven't seen it, so I, I can't. Do you know what's so weird is after Oblivion, he, he did a short. He did Only the Brave in 2017. And then the next thing was Top Gun Maverick. I mean, maybe that just got delayed a, a bit because of it, it the pandemic. It did get delayed quite yeah. a bit, yeah. Well, that's probably why that and Spiderhead are coming out like right next. Because Spiderhead, I imagine, get made a lot quicker after Maverick did. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. They probably yeah. did that during the pandemic, even. Yeah. So. But yeah. Maverick is fantastic. I went and saw that twice in theaters. I mean, it just kind of worked out that way, but I didn't mind seeing it twice. Mm. And it uh, probably his best film on the list. But yeah, really, but really good. I just, I think, I, I, I think that kind of sums up my feelings and why. If you're, if you're only asking me what the difference is between, like, what when is it just like having inspiration and when is it just feel like you're ripping sh- off? Well, I would even say ripping off because that's maybe even too harsh. I mean, maybe you could say that in this case, but it, it, it just just the idea that it feels like a mix of like things from other movies, that rather than being like a a movie on its own right that just happens to have inspiration. Uh, I, I think that is the difference is that you you, you feel like a, a complete finished story that has an idea and a through line and um, you know not just 
oh, here's a bunch of things. Because, you know, to bring up Stranger Things, which I think is a really good point of comparison here, is Stranger Things is obviously inspired by a lot of stuff, right? The whole point of it is that it wants to make you feel like you felt during certain movies of the 80s, right? And the, of that time period. Psycho Gorman. Psycho Gorman. Uh, that's even a good example as well. Because what those do is they, they try and recreate the feeling. So you definitely recognize things of, oh, this is kind of its take on aliens, or this is its kind of take on Nightmare on Elm Street. But it's always kind of making it its own because it's like it wants to create the feeling more than it wants to copy the plot exactly. You can recognize that this is like how they're achieving certain things from, you know, that period. But it's not just about, oh, this is the episode where there's clearly this thing from this movie or it's clearly this thing from that movie uh by and large you know so well sure i mean that's the difference i, I mean, we've brought it up so many times as an example but like we reviewed the watchman tv show on hbo and how we praised that this really does feel like the same universe as the alan moore comic whereas the Zack snyder film feels uh, like, a, yeah, like a copy of it and it doesn't feel this it feels a bit hollow because of that that's a very interesting comparison because that's supposed to be an adaptation but it's funny that that ends up with that same feeling so that's a, that's a really cool interesting comparison mm-hmm. as Watchmen um, if, uh, to be fair to Stranger Things something that separates that from say uh, like a movie that has inspiration from something is that with Stranger Things I should point out that that's made with the pretense that everyone's going to understand and get what it's what it's inspired by so the whole point of it is that you're recreating a feeling and that you're going to recognize it that's part of like how that that works whereas here you're not necessarily supposed to get all like uh, you know the director didn't make this and go oh they're going to get the ledger t <laughs> scenes that, that i've taken from kind of thing you know um so and that doesn't necessarily make it i'm not saying that you have to make it with the idea that people are going to get the inspiration and references either because obviously that's not what tarantino does tarantino pulls from lots of weird things and Maybe some weirdos get the references, and that's cool. I, in fact, I applaud them, because you're, like, film buffs. You have to love film. Yeah, yeah. even more than <laughs> I am. You get them all. Uh, probably older than I am as well, <laughs> if you're getting all those references. But... Uh, yeah, he does a lot of TV show references that are hard to find. It's just it's just another point that's, that's different. I, I I guess what I'm trying to say here is that none of this is binary. It's, it's not just on-off switch, where this is right and this is wrong, and there's no, like, there, there's a lot of... You know, everything is contextual. Everything works in its own right, um, and some of it works. The reason why one thing works in one thing, one movie, uh, doesn't mean it'll. If you do the exact same thing, it'll work in another, and vice versa. You know, like it could be different factors around it. It could just be that the concept's right for something to be more referential than something else. Uh, it could be they're just copying direct scenes too much. Uh, it could be whatever. I'm not saying that does that. This does that necessarily, but. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's very complicated. There's a lot of nuance. Is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Lots of nuance. <laughs> yeah, I just I feel like people on that love to just be like, "Well, you liked X thing here, so why don't you like X thing in this thing?" Like, I don't because it's not <laughs> like I don't know. I just arguments. You're right. Dumb. There's there's a lot of different layers. Like the you know I. I enjoy fan service when it's done really well, and sometimes fan service can be a little bit eye rolly. Like, come on, you know, you, stop, stop already. Is there any recent <laughs> examples you'd like to give of bad fan service? 
No, I, I'm not a hater. <laughs> You're no fun. <laughs> well, how about uh, Rise of Skywalker versus like The Last Jedi? Mm. That's fair. Yeah, Rise of Skywalker's uh, pretty rough. And I mean, you didn't agree with me, but Jurassic World Dominion was very much Jurassic Park Rise of Skywalker or Rise of, <laughs> Rise of Grant or whatever, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> I didn't say I didn't agree with you. Uh, I, I mean, yeah, there was definitely a lot of fan service there that was a bit much, but some things I still liked in it. Yeah, uh, some of the fan service I did like. Okay. But a lot of there was a lot of it where I'm just like, I can't believe you're doing this. It's so dumb. <laughs> yeah. Uh, very pandering. This thing, this this didn't need to be there. Well, I don't know if it's pandering or if it's just like, because I don't think the fans want that either. You know, I don't think the fans just want constant reference after reference after reference. It depends what type of fan you're talking about. I think there's some that do. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I, 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 there's definitely. I, I don't want to turn it into like dumb people like it because I don't want to be that like, you know, dismiss- dismissive. If, but. Maybe if this movie was a bit more meta and it was very forward about the things that it was inspired mm. by, maybe I would enjoy that. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, Oblivion. If, well, I mean, obviously, yeah. this doesn't necessarily apply to it because Oblivion is not fan service because uh, it's not. No, but if it was like made as a fan service film for sci-fi lovers, <laughs> maybe we would like it more. I don't know. Oh, if it was more wink, wink, you know, yeah, like, yeah, a little but, bit. If it, yeah, if it was more tongue in cheek, I guess kind of like uh, like Paul. Although I didn't really like that movie very much, but it, Paul was very much trying to do that. No, I see what you're saying. Like, yeah, I mean, I, d- I would definitely like a more cerebral, like, hard-hitting movie than this, mm-hmm. but, like, I agree that that would also possibly work, is if you if you want to have all the different things in it, the idea is that you're going through a series of tropes and you're kind of playing with them, you know, you're mm-hmm. uh, kind of like a... kind of like Galaxy Quest, but for, like, more of a, a hodgepodge of all of sci-fi as opposed to just the one right. thing that you're riffing off. Yeah, not just Star Trek. <laughs> Star Trek clone. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah. So I mean, I mean, there's been an interesting debate to be had about like the level of like how much this movie does it. But I, I think it's a perfectly watchable movie. I think it ha- it looks pretty good and it sounds great. I think the music's fantastic. Um, but you know, it's a hodgepodge of just a lot of other things, and it's a little bit hollow because of that. But it's a very watchable version of a hollow Hollywood movie, you know. So to to shit on some Chris Pratt movies one more time. You're much better off watching this than Tomorrow War or uh, Passengers. Passengers or Dominion or... <laughs> oh, yeah, it's true. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, you're right. That's also Chris Pratt. Um, but I, I would say, though, like I would I definitely recommend, even just like in the Tom Cruise sphere, Edge of Tomorrow way more than I would recommend Oblivion. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think a lot of people didn't like this movie, and I think that's why Edge of Tomorrow didn't really do very well either. Also, it had a stupid title, but... <laughs> There was a lot of problems with the marketing. But I feel like they came out like right after each other. Uh, Edge Tomorrow was a year later. It was 2014. Yeah. I was like, oh, another... We're starting to get the like, oh, another Liam Neeson action film where he's too old for the shit, but like he's in the thick of it and he's the best or something. It's it's a bit of a... Maybe we were just getting that kind of pattern with Tom Cruise films. And we're like, we're not going to support this. But actually, it's a fantastic film. I love Edge Tomorrow. Yeah, or let that repeat, or whatever. What's funny is that uh, Edge of Tomorrow. I would also describe that as a as, and maybe this is again just because it's Tom Cruise, but it's also Doug Lehman who is like a very kind of like workman director. I think is mm-hmm. that it's also a very Hollywood movie, 
but I think Edge of Tomorrow is like probably the the best of a uh, just sort of Hollywood studio sci-fi movie um, that isn't like a prestige project. You know, and by that I mean mm-hmm. like uh, you know your Gravity or Interstellar, which or The Martian, which get these you know big like oh we're going to try and win awards with these things. <laughs> right exactly yeah uh yeah yeah so it's not a nolan film or (laughs) whatever yeah yeah nolan ridley scott (laughs) or alfonso caron who are all like you know i mean ridley scott's up and down these days but you know whatever (laughs) (laughs) Uh, or Denis villeneuve not like that oh sure yeah that's another good example like something like arrival because arrival is not a like obviously it has a, a relative hollywood budget but it is not a hollywood movie it does not feel like one at all mm-hmm mm-hmm um so what's just to say this is a bit of popcorn fun uh yeah totally and uh, that's basically the extent of the the recommendation i'll get i'll give it it's it's got some eyes eye candy and some ear candy and uh and i mean the visuals of the film here i'm not talking about the attractiveness of the people just before anyone they are pretty attractive <laughs> i mean yeah i mean it's a it's a hollywood movie they put attractive except for people maybe uh, morgan freeman passes prime <laughs> I don't know. There's something respectable that a gray beard I find. I find it's just, uh, <laughs> you know, that very dashing. <laughs> yeah, but he's 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 weird. He's got a weird thing with his adopted granddaughter. Ugh. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, the Scientology stuff on the other side isn't exactly all that great either. You're right. Yeah, absolutely not. Oh, uh, I hope uh, the ladies. I hope they're both nice people that don't have weird. Things. Yeah, me too. <laughs> They're ladies, so probably. They probably don't. They're probably fine. I mean, they could be Scientologists, I suppose. Yeah, but they just can be weird. I mean, don't get me wrong. I admit that men are more likely to be scumbags, but, you know. Just... <laughs> There's no point in denying it at this point. <laughs> like, um, all right. Rate Oblivion, would you please? Okay. Um yeah, I agree that the movie's got some it's got some issues. Um I wouldn't say they're enough to make me not enjoy the film and I I I actually do think it's pretty good and pretty sleek looking and I like the visuals quite a bit. Um has some early arrival stuff, you know, before then with the big monolithic structures. I mean you compared it to two thousand one because that's a natural monolith, but I think like the scale of it's much bigger, obviously. Yeah, yeah. Um I think it's a neat premise, and um, no, I, I'm always going to enjoy Tom Cruise, even when he's maybe miscast. Although this one's debatable of whether it's a miscast. I mean, if you want to get the best of the best, then yeah, he's probably the best of us. Even yeah, if he is. I wouldn't a Scientologist. Say yeah, I don't think I'd say he's miscast. It's more just that the I think the movie would be more interesting if they went for someone who was quirkier or edgier. You know. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, you get Tom Cruise, you get automatic likable hero. Mads Mikkelsen. <laughs> give me give me this with Mads Mikkelsen in the lead role. <laughs> that would be very uh interesting, yeah. Yeah. Fresh off of well, I guess not too much fresh off of Bond. No, that was in two thousand six. Yeah. That was two thousand six. God, that was a while ago. Um, it was probably on anyway. Han- on Hannibal maybe at this point, I don't know. Maybe, yeah. Mm. But anyway, I'm going to give it a 7. I'm going to give it a fair score, because I think it is a decent film. It's a decent sci-fi film, um, and I recommend it. Is the implication there that I will not give it a fair score? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm reading between the lines. I'll, I'll see what you're saying. 
Uh, no, I um, yeah, I, I think I think when I first saw it, uh, I had a good enough time at the movies. Uh, I was in the right mood for it. I think maybe the age, maybe also having seen more sci-fi since then. You know, my taste has matured a little bit again. Uh, it has went down a little bit for me because ultimately it's it's pretty solid as what it is, but what it is is you know it's a Hollywood blockbuster movie, uh, made up of parts of lots of movies that weren't blockbusters by and large, to give it some sort of you know interesting story. Uh, so I think I'm going to go with a six point five. Cool. Yeah, I think that's where I'm landing on. Uh, but it's a very, it's a very watchable. It's, 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 a, it's a great 6.5, right? For a 6.5, it's very good and entertaining. But, like, uh, that's it. Um, but there you go. So that's Oblivion. The Tom Cruise movie. Mm-hmm. From 2013. Um, you know, and it had no chance of being the best sci-fi movie that year because that was the year Gravity came out, which we still have to do at some point. Yeah, I'll, I'll be happy to revisit that. I mean, I saw it in theaters, and I remember it being a very exciting experience. Um, I saw it in 3D and an IMAX screen, um, and it was a ride. But I haven't had any desire to rewatch it, I think, because the ride element's going to be gone. <laughs> mm. I, uh, I saw it a couple times in theaters, maybe three times, I can't remember exactly. Dang, uh, you really like that one. I did. Uh, I mean, I saw movies multiple times more often back then because I had uh, unlimited... Uh, viewings of things uh, as like a membership because of the theater that was near my university. I was I was very poor at that time, so yeah. I had, usually I had to wait for the two dollar theater to have so, the screening. So so I, I would go and see you know lots of things multiple times, but uh, assuming I liked them, obviously the ones I didn't like uh, I didn't. But um, yeah, so there you go. Uh, that is that is the show pretty much. Uh, but uh, I suppose we'll tell you what's coming next time. That'd be great. Because I'd like to know too. Predators. Oh. Well, we got to get okay. yeah, we got to get cut up because uh, Predators coming out. So in August, so we got to get Predators and Ooh, the Predator yikes. done. You know, got to get them done sharpish, and we got some interesting Ooh. recent releases actually to talk about uh, in the next month or so as well. Uh, some stuff yeah. that came out earlier this year that were limited theater wise, so uh, we're hitting them now. That they're they're hitting the VOD markets and whatnot. So look forward to the next couple of months on the Atomic Cinema Experiment. Woohoo! Uh, so yeah, but uh, of course you can uh, like, subscribe, ding the bell for notifications, all those things help out a lot. You can of course hit the super thanks button if you want to support the show, but you can also support us somewhere else. Can't they, Tara? Are we That's an eff- right, Peter. Are we an effective team? We're an effective team. Do you think we're clones of other podcasters? Uh, I feel like I'm better than at least five other versions of myself, yeah. (laughs) I'm the improved model. Yeah, I don't know about that for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, every year we just replace ourselves with a clone that's slightly better. (laughs) Yes, exactly. But I I haven't got my, my box yet in the mail for my replacement. (laughs) <laughs> anyway that's right peter uh, if you enjoy our <laughs> reviews please check out our patreon page it's patreon.com slash mouthbuzz tv 
Or if you donate those one dollar per month, you will get access to bonus reviews for the Ace. So if you're wondering where your favorite B movies are, like uh, the Tremor sequels, we're working our way through that. Uh, what's the last one we just did? Uh, we, we did, did Alligator. Alligator. Ooh, that was fun. So yeah, that's going to be over on patreon.com slash TV. And if you donate $5 per month, you'll get access to these reviews one day early. And some other shows you get early, sometimes up to a week. So head on over and check that out. Thank you. Yeah. Um, otherwise, though, that is pretty much uh, us. That is the show. So let us know what you think of Oblivion in the comments. Um, and we'll see you next time. Uh, get us on Twitter at Screams Midnight. And, uh, yeah, keep watching sci-fi movies, guys. We'll see you next time. And computer at Salsa.